My subject this morning is the battle for your praise. The battle for your praise. And I'd like to take you to the book of 1 Samuel, very familiar passage of scripture, very familiar chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah and pitched between Shoko and Azekah in Ephesdamim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side and there was a valley between them. I'm going to preach this morning. I will not be long as long as I don't have to overcome reluctance or resistance. How's that? Somebody say, the battle is for my praise. Would you lift up your hands before we're seated? And would you give a praise to God at the beginning of this message? Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for the authority of your word and the authority of your spirit that is here among your people. Help me to flow in the vein of the Holy Ghost. And Lord Jesus, help your people to respond in the vein of the Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord God, that your will would be done, your kingdom would come, your people would be blessed and uplifted and encouraged. And God, you would do in the lives of those gathered what only you can do. We will give you all of the praise because the praise doesn't belong to anybody but you. It belongs only to you and we give you praise this morning. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. And you may be seated. Judah was first a man, then a tribe, then a territory, and finally a kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. The word Jew comes from Judah, and that forever associated God's people with Judah's land. The city of Jerusalem has been the capital of the land of Judah from ancient times. And because Jacob called this son, his son Judah, because he called him a young lion in Genesis 49, the lion of the tribe of Judah has been used as a symbol of Jerusalem for many years. It's on their coat of arms. And in the New Testament, the lion of the tribe of Judah, that same title of strength and authority is transferred to the one you know who died, who was buried, and who rose again in Jerusalem, in Judah, the Lord Jesus Christ. John said, he got this message from one of the elders when he saw his vision of heaven, and he wrote these words. Weep not, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has prevailed, he's overcome, he's conquered every enemy, he's defeated every opposition, he has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Judah was the fourth son of Jacob and his wife Leah in the book of Genesis. That was a little bit of a dysfunctional family, mostly because Jacob had more than one wife. You can take from that whatever you need. And, and so this mother, the mother of Judah, she had three sons before she had Judah. And she named her first three sons according to her circumstances. 
But she named Judah because she had finally overcome her circumstances. Here's how it goes. These are the children of Leah. First of all, there's Reuben. When Reuben was born, she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore, my husband will love me. Reuben literally means behold a son. That's what she said when she brought him to Jacob. Behold a son. Hopefully you can love me now. Simeon, the next son, when he was born, Leah said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And so Simeon's name means he has heard. God heard that I have circumstances. God heard that I have problems. God heard that I was hated. And that's why she named Simeon. And then her third son, she named him Levi. And she said when Levi was born, now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. And so Levi means joined. Maybe my husband will finally be united with me because I've borne him three sons, joined. So her first three sons, Reuben, behold a son, Simeon, God has heard, Levi, joined. Her first three sons were named because of her circumstances. But thankfully, something changed in Leah's heart. And by the time she had her fourth son, she named him Judah, and here's what she said when he was born. Now will I praise the Lord. There comes a point in your life when you've got to say, my circumstances are not going to get me down anymore. There comes a point when you say, enough is enough. I've dealt with this enough. I've suffered with this enough. I've lost enough sleep and I've cried enough tears and I've had enough anxiety. And you know what I'm going to do in the middle of what life has thrown at me, which isn't always fun, isn't always pleasant, and isn't always fair. Now I'm going to just praise the Lord. And that's what Judah means. She named her fourth son, not according to her circumstances, but because she had finally overcome her circumstances. His name simply means praise. Now will I praise the Lord. Judah means praise. And that mention, that definition, that name meaning follows Judah the man, follows Judah the territory, follows Judah the tribe and Judah the kingdom all the way through the Bible. It is very significant that the tribe of Judah when they went into battle, and especially when they conquered the promised land, Judah was sent into battle first. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, and they said, who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first? Who takes the lead? Who takes charge of the battle? Who do we put on the front lines to fight against them? And the Lord said, oh, that's easy. Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. Judah means praise. The illustration cannot be missed by any serious student of the scripture. Praise needs to be sent into every battle first. Praise wins the battle best. When we praise the Lord, it does something in the supernatural realm that helps us overcome our circumstances. Many, many years later, under the reign of King Jehoshaphat, there was a battle where the singers of Judah, not the soldiers of Judah, the singers of Judah, a huge choir, they defeated three impossibly large armies that had assembled to destroy them. The children of Ammon, 
the children of Moab, and the children of Mount Seir. And as those three massive armies came at Judah, God gave them specific instructions. They didn't send the soldiers of Judah in first. They sent the singers of Judah in first. And they began to praise the Lord and shout praise to their invincible God. They were not invincible, but they knew God was invincible. And God threw those three massive enemy armies into confusion and caused them to turn on each other and slaughter each other. And do you know what their strategic battle cry was from all the singers of Judah? Here it is. When he had consulted with the people, King Jehoshaphat, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. The singers went before the soldiers. And here's what they sang. Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And it was when they began to sing and to praise, when Judah stood up and Judah did what Judah was named for, that's when the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and all of them were smitten. There comes a moment in your life, there comes a battle that you can't fight with natural means. There comes a circumstance that you can't overcome. And the principle from the word of God, not only is it clear, but it's repeated so many times. When you go to war against the devil, he's massive, he's huge, he's powerful, he's fierce, but there is something, a secret weapon, if you will, that you go into battle, not with your head down, but with your head up. Not with your hands clenched, but with your hands raised. And you begin to give praise to the Lord and praise wins the battle and it causes confusion for the enemy. The battle is over your praise. God wants your praise. The devil wants your praise. The world wants your praise. And even your own flesh wants praise. But only one of those can have praise. Not two, not three, not all four. Either God, the devil, the world, or your own flesh is gonna receive praise in your life. And if the devil or the world or your flesh can't get that praise, then they go into a pity party and they begin to sulk and they work against the praise of God. And you need to be careful because the devil, the world, and your own flesh will conspire against you to shut down praise so that God can't receive it. The devil doesn't want God to receive the praise. This sinful world doesn't want God to receive praise and your own flesh would prefer that you get the praise and not God get the praise. And that's why praise is a principle of spiritual warfare everywhere in the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. No matter who's in the battle, no matter what's going on, praise as a principle of spiritual warfare is everywhere in the Bible. Because if the devil receives praise, hell wins. And if the world receives praise, the world wins. And if you get the praise, you win. But if God gets the praise, it's better than all of the above because God wins that battle. And so it's everywhere in the scripture. The psalmist said, I will call upon the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. You know how I get saved from my problems and my circumstances and my enemies and my battles? It's not that I figured it out. I couldn't figure it out. The circumstance was puzzling me. The situation was perplexing me. 
Life was bewildering me. I couldn't figure it out. But I just started to worship God in the middle of it. That's how I got saved from my enemies. You know this verse, we quote it often. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. God literally lives in praise. That's why praise is a principle of spiritual warfare. Because when you praise God, you attract God. You praise the devil, you'll attract hell. You praise the world, you'll attract the world. You praise yourself, you'll, you'll attract other people that want to flatter you, want to give you the glory and the praise and the credit. And you can have your own little uh, kind of mutual admiration society. But if you praise God, God, heaven shows up. The angels stand at attention and God says, I'm about ready to go down there and I'm gonna live in that. So if you're in, somebody said, I'm walking through hell this week. Well, good, praise God. And God said, even if I make my bed in hell, the psalmist said, God is with me even in hell. Praise. Psalm 100 verse four, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. When you come into his courts, Come into his courts with what? With praise. Why? Because the battle is over your praise. The battle is for your praise. Enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Praise is not some abstract mental exercise. Praise is not some silly chant from the New Agers. Praise is not some kind of positive thinking or self-help or talk yourself into smiling. That's not what praise is. Praise has nothing to do with you. Praise has nothing to do with your circumstances. Praise is a straight vertical channel that cuts through all the junk and it goes straight to the throne of God. And when you praise him, he comes to your aid. When you praise him, he comes to your help. That's why we enter into a service like this and we're not content until somebody praises the Lord. Singing's nice, preaching's great. All of the announcements are wonderful, but we're not happy until somebody just flat out enters into his courts with praise. We owe him a praise. We get to give him praise. It's a privilege to lift up the name of the Lord. That's why we praise him. But while we're praising him, as the praises go up, blessings and help and strength and victory and the miraculous come down there is something about sending praise up into the heavens it helps us God is my help and my healer and my rock and my fortress and my strength oh my goodness I feel that coming right there if you just lift up a praise to him you have no idea what praise can do to manipulate your situation you have no idea what praise can do to overcome your enemy you have no idea what praise can do to let loose the miraculous in your life praise is forever a principle of spiritual warfare you might not want to get comfortable because this is a good one. From the rising of the sun under the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. If they can praise him in Africa, then it's our turn in Canada. If they can praise him in China, then it's our turn in Canada. The sun's up right now. It's daylight in Canada. They already had their turn on some other continents and they did a great job, but it's our turn when the sun's up. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. If you're awake, you're supposed to be praising. If you're breathing, you're supposed to be praising. If you're alive, you're supposed to be praising. If you're his child, you're supposed to be praised 
Oh my. <laughs> the psalmist said in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise, somebody say praise, shall continually be in my mouth. Now that word continually means somebody that repeats something over and over. It sounds like a chant. That's what it means. Continually be in my mouth. You ever heard some of those elders that they say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You ever heard some of those people pray, hallelujah, hallelujah. You say, that's vain repetition. Not if it's directed to the Lord and you're giving him a conscious praise. It's only vain repetition when you're checked out thinking about lunch and you're saying, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's not praise. But when you give God glory, when you give God honor, when your mind and your heart and your voice and your mouth is lifted up to him, something happens. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. There are a lot of people boasting about a whole lot of stuff. They boast about their skill. They boast about their success. They boast about their career. There's even people foolish enough to boast about their good looks. If that's you, stop it. Either make people jealous or you make them laugh. <laughs> that was meddling, I'm sorry. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. My boast isn't in anything down here. My boast is in the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. And then the psalmist says this, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Why? Because I sought the Lord, and the God of all creation heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Now, we know the principle of the magnifying glass. It's doubtful that in that ancient time, 3,000 years ago, the psalmist knew what a magnifying glass was. But the principle of magnify in language is the very same as the principle of magnify with a magnifying glass. When you look at an object with a magnifying glass, the object doesn't get bigger. Your perspective of it gets bigger. And it works the same in language. When you magnify the name of the Lord, Jesus doesn't get one bit bigger, one bit more powerful, one bit more miraculous, or one bit greater. But your perspective of what he can do, it grows, it gets greater, it gets bigger. And that's why the psalmist said, oh, everybody, magnify the Lord with me. If you lift him up, it'll dawn on you that God's bigger than your problem. If you'll praise him, it'll dawn on you that God is greater than your situation. So magnify the Lord with me. The battle is over your praise. And on this particular day in the word of God, the Philistines have gathered their armies to battle in a fees damim. That means bloodshed. Bible names are very significant. So they've gathered in a fees damim. It means bloodshed. And they're between Shoko and Azika. Those two places mean hedged in and fenced in. And they faced the Israelites, the Philistines on one side, the Israelites on the other, across the valley of Elah, which means strength. So if you take those meanings and you just kind of casually look at them, you'd come up with this. There's no way out. They're fenced in. They're hedged in. It's going to be a bloodbath because they're in the place of bloodshed. And only the stronger army is going to survive because they're in that valley, which means strength. And then Goliath stands up. Goliath's name literally means exposer. He is so strong, so threatening, and so terrifying that he's about to expose the weakness that resides in Saul and his army. 
And here's what you've got to understand. The Bible said in the first verse of chapter 17 that as they gathered in this territory, this territory belonged to Judah. So Goliath the giant, Goliath the obstacle, Goliath the enemy literally has the gall to stand in the territory that belongs to Judah. He stands in the territory of praise. And it is in the territory of praise, in the territory of Judah that the battle unfolds. Goliath the giant, the enemy, the opposer, he dares for somebody to come and fight him because what they're trying to decide on this day is who is going to own praise. That's what they're trying to decide. Who is going to own the territory called Judah? And on this day, it's either going to go to Goliath and the Philistines and they're going to own praise or it's going to go to Saul and his army, the Israelites, and they're going to own praise. But make no mistake, whoever owns praise, whoever owns Judah, whoever owns this central territory in the land we know as Israel is going to control the whole land. And so here's Goliath's challenge. If he be able to fight with me and kill me, then will we be your servants? But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you'll be our servants and you'll serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Somebody say the battle is over your praise. Goliath literally stands in the middle of praise, in the middle of Judah. And he says, if I conquer you in the territory of praise, you'll have to serve me. You'll be depressed for the rest of your life. You'll be defeated for the rest of your years. You won't know which way to go. You'll have nothing but confusion and heartache and heartbreak. If I conquer you in the middle of praise, it's all over for you. But the deal works both ways. Despite the obstacle, despite the giant, despite the odds, despite the terror and the fear, if you conquer me in the valley, if you conquer me in the territory of praise, if you win the war where praise is concerned, then I have to serve you for the rest of my days. If you win the war in praise, then the devil is defeated. If you win the war, in praise the enemy has to flee if you win the war in praise it doesn't matter what the obstacle looks like there is a victory that enters into your soul not your circumstances your soul you can't change your circumstances or you would have but you can change your soul that's why the devil said bless the Lord that's why David said bless the Lord oh my soul in the face of the devil in the face of the obstacle David said soul Pay attention now. I need you to lift up a praise to the Lord no matter what is going on in your life. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. It's okay to talk to yourself if you're talking to yourself to worship the Lord. Somebody in this room this morning that didn't have a great week, that does have a situation, that does have a crisis, you need to address yourself and you need to say, soul, pay attention now. Bless the Lord in the middle of my circumstance because Here's what you 
don't know that if you win the victory in the valley, if you win the victory in the territory of praise, if you win the battle for praise, the devil is permanently defeated in your life. As long as you keep winning that battle, it doesn't matter what hell throws at you because you're going to praise the Lord. If you win the battle for praise, it doesn't matter what the world puts against you because you have decided to praise the Lord. I don't feel resistance, maybe a little reluctance. So could we just overcome that for a moment? And would you lift up your praise to the Lord? But I'm in a valley, good. That's where the victory's won. But I've got a giant, great. That's where the victory's won. Here's what you gotta remember. If you win the battle, if you win the victory in the valley, if you win the battle for praise, Pastor, you're hollering this morning. Of course I am, because you're not. But if somebody would get a glimpse of what this could do, if you win the victory in the territory of praise, the enemy has to flee before you. By the enemy's own admission, by Goliath's own words, if I beat you here in praise, if I win over you here in praise, you have to serve me. But if you win over me, if you beat me in the place of praise, I have to serve you. Now, you know this story. It was not Saul. It was not any of Saul's highly trained soldiers who stepped up to fight Goliath that day. It was a young man, really a kid, named David. He had no formal battle experience. Or did he? David actually had the home field advantage as long as they were standing in territory that belonged to Judah because Judah means praise. And as long as David stood in the territory of praise, he stood on home turf. David had spent years in the fields of Judah surrounding Bethlehem, tending sheep, playing his harp, and guess what? Writing songs of praise to God. David was not the least trained on the field that day. David was probably the best trained to win the victory that day because he'd spent a lifetime honing his praise skills. Don't miss it. Goliath was defeated by a praiser who was standing in the midst of a valley. The principle holds true. The story's not there by accident. It's not just a cute little Sunday school tradition. It's there for a reason. If you ever decide, I'm in the middle of a valley, I'm in the middle of a trial, I'm in the middle of a dark night of the soul, but I'm gonna gather my wits and my spirit around me and I'm gonna put some words together. They may be feeble, they may be filled with pain, I may have fear facing me down, but I am gonna stand in the middle of my valley and I'm gonna lift up a praise to God. The enemy was defeated by a praiser who stood in a valley. The odds were against David. And both armies mocked him that day. The Philistines mocked him and Israel mocked him. Who do you think you are? You can't do this. Even his own brothers mocked him that day. 
But David won the victory for Judah because he knew how to praise his way through. And that did not stop when David became king. It didn't even stop when his own wife Michael was embarrassed and offended by his dancing before the Lord. David had just brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Saul was king for 40 years and left the Ark of the Covenant in captivity most of that time and didn't even care. He ran his kingdom without the manifest presence of God. David was king about five minutes and he started saying, where's the ark? We can't have a kingdom without the ark. We gotta go get the ark. Whatever it costs, we gotta bring the ark back. Can I tell all the wonderful Pentecostal folks this morning? We can't have church without the ark. We can't have God's move without his presence. We can't just become a church that just goes through some motions, sings some songs, hears a sermon, prays a prayer, and goes home unchanged. That is not the kind of church that we are. We're the real thing. We're the Bible thing. We're the apostolic thing. And in the middle of praise is where God shows up. In the middle of worship is where God's power touches down. And David brought that ark back and began to dance before the ark. And every six paces, he offered a sacrifice. Somebody would call that a big waste. Somebody would say, that's a little much, don't you think? Somebody would say, I think we could have put that money or that time to better use. But David didn't care. Every six paces, they sacrificed. And he danced before the Lord all day long. It was a trail of blood and dancing all the way into Jerusalem. And Michael looked out a window. She got that long nose, critical look. And she looked out of the window and she started whispering to all of her servants and her chambermaids. And she began to say, I think that's disgraceful. I think that's a little too much. I think that's a little too much noise and a little too much excitement and a whole lot too, too much emotion. And when David finally got home that night, she let him have it. She did. It's in your Bible. Oh, how glorious you were today. You made an absolute idiot out of yourself in front of all of Israel, dancing around like that. What in the world do you think you were doing? And David said to Michael, it wasn't for you. It was for the Lord. It was before God, not before you. I wasn't thinking about you or anybody else. I was praising the Lord as his presence came back into the city of Jerusalem. And by the way, God chose me before your father and before all Saul's house. And he appointed me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, Will I play before the Lord? I'll dance if I want to dance. I'll shout if I want to shout. I'll get loud if I want to get loud because God has been better to me than the teammates have been to the hitter or the pitcher over there on the ball field. They might have helped him win a game or a tournament. But my God has helped me win the battle. My God has saved me from sin. So... It's not for you, number one. And number two, if I choose to do it, I'll do it unto the Lord and I'll keep doing it until God shows up and you. Amen. And if that offended you, read the next verse. 
and I will yet be more vile than thus, and I will be base in my own sight. And all these maidservants that you've been gossiping to and checking out and talking to and criticizing me to, all of them that you've spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. The NIV, the New International Version says, I will become even more undignified than this. Oh, we love our dignity, don't we? <laughs> we love it. But you cannot preserve your dignity and honor his deity at the same time. You cannot. You cannot. I think on my computer under sound effects, they call that a golf clap. <laughs> I wish somebody would lift your hands in the air. Pastor's almost done. Music, come on back. I'd like you to begin to lift up a praise to the Lord. That's a nice little rumble, nice little soft, nice little sedate kind of a praise. That's not the praise the Bible's talking about. There's a praise that's undignified. There's a praise that's kind of a little bit violent because the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. There's a praise that, that just is a little insistent. There's a praise that gets a little loud. There's a praise that gets a little emotional. There's a praise that doesn't come from somebody that's so dignified in their life's perfect. It comes from somebody that's been in trouble and knows what it is is to walk through a valley and just says, God, I got to have you show up. So I'm going to praise. I'm going to win the battle in the territory of praise because when I win in the middle of praise, the enemy has to flee. When I win in the middle of praise, my situation turns around. The battle is over your praise. God wants it. The devil wants it, the world wants it, and your own flesh wants it. Let me tell you, the battle for praise often takes place in the middle of a valley when your own feelings and your own circumstances and your own life conspire against you. And life will try to shut your praise down. And problems will try to shut your praise down. And the devil will try to shut your praise down. But here's what David said. He put together the book of Psalms. He didn't write them all, but he compiled them. And at the very end of the Psalms, in one he did write, David ends the entire 150 songs of Israel this way. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. In other words, if everything's turned upside down and you got nothing left, if everything is upside down and you have no strength, you have no victory, you have no joy, you have no peace, you've got nothing but problems, you've got nothing but situations and circumstances. You say, I've got pain in my body. That doesn't prevent you from having breath to breathe. If you're alive and you can hear this, if you've got breath in your body, let everything that hath breath if you got breath, that's enough. It might come out through gritted teeth. It might come out through a grimace of pain. It might come out with tears rolling down your face. But let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. The battle is for your praise. The battle is about your praise. And the victory comes in your praise. 
Everybody stand if you would. Yes, it's starting. That's, that's helping us. We've only got one service today. My goodness, at least we could kind of blow out the stops and give God a great praise. Say, well, I think, I think that you should only praise the Lord when you feel like it. I think that you should only praise the Lord when you're really doing it from an authentic place. That's our buzzword, isn't it? Authenticity. Not in the Bible, by the way. Here's what the prophet Isaiah said. God will appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. He will give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I just don't want to put on anything, Pastor. You're not obeying Scripture. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Well, that would be a put on. No, a garment is something that covers you. A garment is something that covers over. A garment is something that conceals. So if you came to the house of the Lord with a spirit of heaviness, let me give you some Bible advice. Take your praise and cover up your heaviness. Take your praise and cover up your depression. Take your praise and cover up all the tears you've cried this week because you deserve a blessing from God and you deserve deliverance from God and God wants to give you that kind of victory but you gotta take that garment of praise and say God I'm putting it on regardless of how I feel I'm putting it on regardless of what I see I'm putting it on regardless of the diagnosis I heard I'm putting on the garment of praise somebody shouted the battle Somebody shouted, the battle is for your praise. Either the devil's gonna win, the world's gonna win, your dignity's gonna win, or God's gonna win. But if God wins, all bets are off as to what happens to the enemy, the problem, the circumstance, the disease, the situation, and the setback. Before we come to the altar this morning, I hope you'll join us. We've only got one service today. We need to close it with a great time at the altar. But I'd like you right where you're standing before you even take that walk, before you even end up at the front. If you lift up everything you got, let everything, let everything, let everyone that has breath praise the Lord. Give him a praise. Give him a praise. Don't keep that praise for yourself. Don't reserve that praise for the world. Don't keep that praise for all the good things you want. No, give that praise to God. There's victory in that praise. And if you win over the enemy in the territory of praise, the enemy has to flee. Would you step out of where you're standing as many as can come and as quickly as you can come? Would you join us at the front? When you come, please come all the way if you would. Make room for everybody to get up the aisles. Before you go on with the rest of your day, before you engage in the rest of your week, before you head home to that thing, that situation, that problem, that circumstance that made you cry, 
You might have left your house crying this morning because of the heaviness that's on you. Just a word of advice. Put on the garment of praise to overcome that spirit of heaviness. Put on the garment of praise to overcome that opposition. Put on the garment of praise to overcome the devil himself. Thank you for responding. Now here's the response that matters the most. Would you lift up your hands? Would you lift up your heart? Would you lift up your voice? And most of all, would you lift up your praise and give it to God? He deserves it. The devil doesn't get it. The world doesn't deserve it. And I won't keep it. I'm gonna give my praise to the Lord. He's going to bring somebody out today. He's going to set somebody free today. He's going to bless somebody's life today. The battle is for your praise. Win the battle right now. In the valley, win the battle. In the nighttime, win the battle. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost right now, it would be a good time to just pray in the Spirit and push the enemy back. Pray in the Spirit and push the enemy back. The battle is for your praise. The battle is for your praise.